Tell me more, a deep dive on all the random ideas, concepts, people, places, and things that cross our minds. We are prepared to do all the digging for you on the internet and beyond and present like old school research project style. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Julie. And we will be your fact finders for each episode. So get ready. We're going deep. Like page 12 of the Google search deep. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Julie. How's it going? It's going. So today we're here for a bonus episode because August decided to have five Tuesdays. (laughs) How dare you, August? What could we possibly talk about? What what have we left unsaid? (laughs) Well, there's a couple things. First and foremost, I want to talk to you about a two-star review we got. What? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, they didn't leave a comment at all. It was just all of a sudden we have a two-star review. And before that, we had a streak of nothing but fives. But what I wanted to talk to you about was I wanted to speculate what, like, what would make someone give a two-star review, right? Because, like, I've thought a lot about this since seeing this two-star review. (laughs) I thought, like, okay, if I gave something a five-star review, that means, like, I love it. Great. Four is like, it's really, really good, but like, you know, not quite excellent. Yeah. Three-star review, okay, average. One would mean like I was actually like offended or things were like very wrong. I can't figure out what qualifies as a two. Yeah, that's like such a random choice. Two is such a random choice. (laughs) I have much preferred it was a one or a three. Yeah, like either you hate it or you like it. Right, or you thought it was okay, right? Like a three is like, it's okay. Was it on an episode or just on the whole show? It's just on the whole show. It was on Apple and they let me comment. So I don't know, but it did pop up right after we got a bunch of um, new listens to the Jessica Seinfeld episode. Oh God, maybe it was just like a Jessica Seinfeld stan. Yeah, out of nowhere, a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden we just had like a spike in listens on Jessica Seinfeld. Maybe Jessica Seinfeld has an army like Beyonce and they're coming after us with they all They all are coming after us to defend her cookbook. Like it was tomato on toast. Yeah, it's probably because you spoke poorly of her cookbook. I said that some of the things looked really good. I just laughed that it was a full recipe for sliced tomato on toast. <laughs> and I'm not over it yet, if you can't tell. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to move on from the two stars. So that was my segue into asking people to rate and review the podcast oh, yes. because it helps other people find us, but please give us friendly ratings. Like, Or at least if you give a poor rating, I feel like at least like leave a comment. Yeah, let us like know why. Feedback, right? Yeah, because I mean, if it's valid, if it's not just like you guys suck, we could actually work on fixing it. Exactly, exactly. Let us know how to go from a two to a five. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us. And I would love you to give us a five-star rating, but then in the comment, tell us what would make you give someone a two. I would love to know what, or yeah, and DM us at the.basic.moms. Tell us what would make you give someone a two. I don't think I've ever given a two-star rating. No, that's what I'm saying. Two's the weirdest rating to give. Yeah. 
That is, that is so weird. Okay. All right. So for our bonus episode today, we're talking more about Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Shocker. And this is because, uh, first of all, I kept reading books after we recorded. We recorded both parts, part one and two on the same day. Mm-hmm. Then I also did some sort of like critical reflection on something that I want to talk about. And we did get a couple like questions. So we got a DM Someone accused me of forgetting about Mirage, the album. It came out in 1983. I didn't forget about it. It was just, we were focusing more on like Stevie and Lindsay's relationship. Yeah. And we covered kind of like up until 1980 because up until 1980, they were like together every day of their lives. You know what I mean? Like they were you know, teenagers and they were in bands together. Then they moved to LA together. They joined Fleetwood Mac together. And then Fleetwood Mac did those three albums kind of back to back. They did Fleetwood Mac, they did Rumors, and they did Tusk. And in the interim between each of those, they were touring and recording. But Mm -hmm. after Tusk came out, they all sort of, the band didn't break up, but they separated to do like solo projects and things Uh like that. So it's not that we didn't know that Mirage was an album. It's actually the album that Gypsy's on. Obviously we know that. And then we had to come back to talk about Tango in the Night because that's when the band actually broke up. Like Lindsay left after that. That's when he like threatened Stevie and like choked her or whatever. Yeah. We heard about from Nick Fleetwood's memoir. So yeah, it wasn't like we we were skipping over from like 80 to 87. It was just kind of like that wasn't a part of the bigger story. I said that they went off and did things and, but I didn't name Mirage by name and that offended someone. (laughs) So we do know that that is an album. Maybe that's the two star. No, (laughs) How dare you leave out Mirage? It was my favorite album. Maybe. All right. We also got a question about the imposter band because. What do you mean the imposter band? Do you remember in the first part we talked about how when the band kind of like quit before Stevie and Lindsay joined, they kind of were like, we got to stop this tour after they kicked out the guitarist for sleeping with McFleetwood's wife. Oh and yeah, then yeah, their, yeah, like agent put together like a band. Oh yes, imposters. Yes. So yes. Someone was like, I need to know more about the band. So I've got a little bit more info about them. The band that the agent put together, they actually went on to form their own band called Stretch. And they did go on to have one hit in the UK called Why Did You Do It? Okay. So they didn't go too far. No, no. They didn't like become the next Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. At the point when we recorded, I had read Mick Fleetwood's 1990 memoir. Mm-hmm. He wrote it in 1990. He wrote another memoir in 2014. I originally only ordered the 1990 memoir because I had read online that in the 2014 one, he had kind of like tried to smooth over some stories from I the remember you saying that. one. Yeah. So I ended up reading the 2014 one and he really did. There were three stories in it that he either completely left out or completely changed okay. in the 2014 memoir. And I want to talk about those. So the first one is his wife, his second wife, Sarah. And the funny thing about this is after we recorded the first two parts, you and me and Heather 
well, no, you kind of went to bed, but me and Heather stayed up and we were texting and Heather was asking me about Sarah. And because we were sort of more focusing on the Lindsay and Stevie dynamic, we didn't really get into like any of the other people's relationships. But so when Nick and Stevie were having their affair, like while they were still carrying it on, there was a Halloween party at Lindsay and his girlfriend Carol Ann's house and Stevie brought her friend Sarah with her okay at this party Sarah and Mick like made eye contact and then maybe chatted a little bit Mm -hmm. and then maybe after that he put in put out some feelers to find out like what Sarah's situation was mind you he's still sleeping with Stevie And then um, he finds out that Sarah is married to this man named Jim, I don't know how to pronounce things, Recor or Recor, and he's a music producer, but he finds out that they're not very happy. So he starts hanging out with Sarah and it's so bizarre. He tells the full story in the 1990 memoir, but leaves it out entirely in the 2014 memoir. But the gist of it is kind of like he picked her up one day they decided they wanted to be together. So he like drove her back to her house that he, she lived in with her husband, him and the husband sort of like shook hands and exchanged property. And she like lived with Mick from then on. That's bizarre. So wait, so Sarah, cause I, I kind of remember you guys talking about this. Sarah was when you're connecting Daisy Jones and the six, Sarah was supposed to be her friend Daisy's friend right well so I don't know so she had two close friends she had a friend named Robin and then she had this friend named Sarah I think that Robin is probably more like the Simone character Robin's the one who died and then Stevie married her husband yes okay Sarah is another friend of Stevie's who while Mick and yeah and so Stevie apparently like found out about the exchange exchange because Jim Sarah's husband called Stevie and was like hey Sarah moved out of my house and lives with Mick Fleetwood now and Stevie was like I thought I was banging Mick like that is so bizarre like so wild right yeah now he also completely okay so when he wrote the book in 1990 he's still married to Sarah Okay. He wrote the book in 2014. He's actually married to his third wife at that point, whom he's now divorced from her too. Okay. But in the 2014 memoir, he also goes on and on about Sarah being like an alcoholic and having problems that he did not mention at all in the 1991 because they were still happily married. Huh. Okay. Another wild story from Mick's memoir that doesn't make it into the second memoir is that he got catfished in the early 80s what does that look like in the early 80s? in the early 80s it's right because normally you think of catfishing online so apparently back then you could just like call people's hotel rooms so someone gets through to his hotel room tells him this whole story about how he they're like you know a young singer big fan he ends up like leaving her tickets at like the show that mm-hmm. night backstage passes the backstage passes get picked up by like a group of kids and they're like oh no she just you know she's not feeling good she couldn't make it today I believe she even like sung to him on the phone they continue having a phone relationship to the point where he tells Sarah that he's fallen in love with this other person he 
the hires he starts to get suspicious this goes on for like a year and a half this phone relationship while he's on tour he leaves her tickets places she never shows up he starts to get suspicious he has a um, private investigator look into it and finds out that it's like he calls her the blob which is so inappropriate now but I guess in 1990 you could so she's overweight she's like a housemaid completely like in like her 50s pretending to be this like young aspiring singer That's like what she, she's really in her fifties has me. That's what really happened. That's not what he Yes, but he didn't know. He was completely catfished. That's bizarre. Hysterical. But also that he like, that he and like the people around him let that happen. (laughs) The eighties were wild. Yeah, but like you would think if you're this famous musician, like would your agent and like the people that are around you, like let you continue this own relationship right he he did sort of make it sound like he got made fun of a lot for it okay okay like but like here's the other thing cat like nobody knew that people did stuff like that right because this was like pre-internet so people had way less access to catfish people and then there isn't an mtv show called catfish so in general, people just don't know it's happening as much. Yeah, right? they're not like, is this, a, am I being catfish? Well, right here's now? the other thing he said. She never asked him for money. Okay. So like, that was the thing that in his head, he was always like, well, she's not scamming me. Like, what's she getting out of this? It's time. You know, right, but that's what, yeah, that's what catfishing yeah. is really, it's not really about getting like money or a scam. It's more about yeah. the attention, right? Yeah. Or the connection. The last story from Mick's 1990 memoir that gets completely erased in the 2014 one is the story about Lindsay choking and threatening Stevie. Shocker. Right. Because you know, you remember I told you that. And then there was like one single line that was like, but this wasn't the first time he hit her. None of that. It's completely just sort of like, yeah, we had a band meeting and there was an argument and then we were not a band anymore. And he does a lot of like butt kissing of Lindsay in the second memoir that he didn't really do in the first one. But timeline timeline wise, in the first memoir, he, Lindsay's not in the band. In 1990, he's completely out of the band. He doesn't come back till 93 when they get together for the Bill Clinton tour. Yeah. But in 2014, he is an active member of the band and they're like working together regularly. So yeah, he, and he, in the opposite direction, talks about like what a musical genius he is, like all this stuff. Yeah, which was not fun to read. So question, between the two memoirs, is it basically just covering the same time period? I found his 2014 memoir really disappointing. I expected it to sort of be from the end of the one and like go really in depth on then the next, because what is that, 24 years? That's a lot of time. Yeah. And it's not, he covers the exact same stuff, but just like washes over some of the bad stuff. A watered down version. And then it's only like the last, like fifth of the book covers the last 25 years. Just like not what I was expecting. I would not recommend the 2014 book. Definitely. If you want to read a book, get the 1990 version. Also, are you paying for all of these books? (laughs) Are you getting them from your library? (laughs) I paid for them all. Okay. So here's some just other random Fleetwood Mac facts. 
like I said, um, we didn't totally go into the dating lives of the other members of the band, but Christine McVie dated Dennis Wilson, who mm-hmm. was the drummer for the Beach Boys, you know, like the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. Brian Wilson, Carl Wilson, Dennis Wilson, Mike Love. He's wild. So information about Christine and Dennis's relationship came largely from Lindsay's girlfriend's memoir. Her name's Caroline Harris. She wrote a book called Storms, My Life with Fleetwood Mac and Lindsay Buckingham. Okay. We're going to talk about her book in a little bit, but a lot of the information about Christine and Dennis Wilson came from that memoir. But Dennis Wilson, so he got famous as like a teenager. He became horribly addicted to drugs he has like multiple wives and children he marries the same person twice at one point he hates his cousin Mike Love who's also in the Beach Boys Carol Ann tells a really funny story about him just like punching him in the face one time what so wild but in the late 70s and early 80s he starts dating Christine McVeigh and then by like the end of his life they break up He ends up marrying his cousin, Mike Love's illegitimate daughter and having another kid with her. Then he dies in the mid eighties because he's drunk and like diving off of a dock into the boat slip that used to be where his boat was docked that he's lost now because he's lost all his money and he's a homeless drug addict. (laughs) The night before he dies, he's actually at the hospital because he was beat up by a high school kid. And I completely forgot to mention the whole connection he had with uh, Charles Manson. So, uh, just so you know, we might be having a Dennis Wilson episode one day because he it's, it's a wild ride. But so Christine McVie dated him for like three years. And in both, he makes appearances in both of Mick's memoirs and Carol Ann Harris's memoir and he was apparently just like the wildest party guy ever huh okay another random fun fact Lindsay was ranked the 100th guitarist of all time in uh Rolling Stones ranking of the best guitarist and I just thought that maybe I'd rather not make a list than be 100 what do you think like how many how many people were on this list like 100 out of 100 (laughs) oh so he was like the last person right but then there's also plenty that didn't make the list at all yeah what do you think would you rather not be on the list I'd rather not be on the list. I think so too, than be number 100. Yeah, I'd have to see the list. Okay, so there's also lots of rumors that Christine and Lindsay hooked up at some point. She's the the keyboard player, right? Yes, yes, she is the keyboard player. I did a lot of Googling on it and couldn't find like any proof, but it does seem like they had a really close relationship. They even did an album together, just the two of them. And there were different comments of things like how she was the only one that could like handle him. I think because as we saw, he was like a big prima donna. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of quotes from Stevie that we didn't talk about when we were talking about whether or not he she was still in love with him when they did that recording these ones didn't come up she said this he has a lovely wife Kristen who I really like and they're expecting their third child the way he is with his children just knocks me out I look at him now and just go oh Stevie you made a mistake 
She said that in November of 2003. So that would have been about five years after that performance that we watched. Okay. She also said, but when we go on stage together, we're able to experience our love affair again and again and again for two and a half hours, four times a week. So four times a week. (laughs) We, I mean, because we kind of talked about whether or not they turn it on for the stage or like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. That makes me think, yes, that they do turn it on for the stage. So yeah, that does sort of make it lean there. And she also said, in my heart, I knew that final show was the one that we would use. So this is actually about the taping of that. And I paced myself emotionally. Something clicked as we started to play that night. The magic was there again. Only we weren't mad at each other anymore. I looked into Lindsay's eyes during so many of the songs and the tears came. It was uncontrollable and it was beautiful for everyone in the audience. So that's actually a quote she made about the taping. Yeah. So oh, what do you think? You think it was all? I think their relationship is like every other person's relationship. Not, and I don't want to put that in a way like everyone experiences domestic violence in their relationship. <laughs> but in the regard of sometimes you can look back and only think of like the good things and think of, oh my God, we had such a great time here and there. And then when you get back together, you're like, oh, this is great. And then all the other crap starts coming back and you're like, this isn't great. This is why we broke up. You know what I mean? Like I can see it like that. Like they're kind of in that place now, or, you know, when she made those statements five years after the recording, where like, them looking back like now they're just like thinking about the good times and only mm-hmm. reflecting on that yeah you like you know, romanticize it when yeah exactly back. but then okay. if when you go on tour together again you probably <laughs> remember yeah. all the things that didn't work you're like and this is why we broke up you know yeah okay real quick I want to talk to you about his ex-girlfriend's memoir there was one story in it that was absolutely ridiculous. And then I wanted to talk a tiny bit about the domestic violence. Okay. So he had a seizure in Philly. Okay. And then he was in the hospital for four days. They were trying to figure out what was wrong with him. He's actually eventually diagnosed with epilepsy, but they do a spinal tap in Philly. Okay. The doctor tells him not to get on a plane for, I think it's like another four days because something about like the air pressure can make like the spinal fluid leak. Yeah. But he has to go to DC that day. DC. Now this is where I'm like, do people not know geography? Wait, they were in Philly. They were in Philly. (laughs) So So he argues with the doctor And finally decides to risk his life to get on what would ultimately be a 20 minute flight, I think. Like, do you even go high in the air to go from? No, but they could have just driven. That's what I said, or take the freaking train like Joe Biden did every day for four years. (laughs) And that's what I even looked it up. It is no more than a two and a half hour drive from Center City, Philadelphia to DC. The train would probably be quicker because there's no Traffic. traffic. Yeah. And you just had to be there by that night. Like, why would you risk your life to get on an airplane to fly from Philly to DC? I just had to scream about that with someone else from the Philly area that would be like, (laughs) are you idiots? Like, hire a car. I think it would probably, and we're talking like private jets again. Mm -hmm. I I think it it would probably be like flying normally. 
it would take more time to get to the airport, go through everything, get on the airplane, take off, mm-hmm. go fly, get out of there, go through the whole entire process. That would probably take longer than it would to just drive. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Those of us, like, does she not know geography? Like, and then I'm like, well, maybe she's confusing like Washington with Washington, DC, but no, they were going to something. It was definitely DC. It was not right. Washington state because it had to do with like a white house event. Okay. So I was like, what? That was crazy. All right. So she does also talk a lot about domestic violence. She details a few cases where he actually like physically abuses her. I wish the book's great. However, her dialogue is terrible. You're reading it and you're like, nobody said that Carol Ann. Like not even in 1975, nobody said that. Nobody talked like that ever, but the details are really good. So I would recommend it, but it does not paint Lindsay in a good picture. Not that we had a good picture of him before this. He's narcissistic. He's controlling. He treats her really poorly. My end overall from it is that like, he really just wanted a dog. He didn't want a girlfriend. Like he (laughs) wanted her to be home when he got home. He wanted her to like cuddle at night and tell him how great he was, which Mm -hmm. great. Like get a golden retriever. Like, yeah, that's what he needed. He didn't need to like destroy this woman's life. But there's also a little bit of like a lack of self-reflection where she'll be like, he went into a jealous rage and I have no idea why. It might be like, maybe it's because you were just alone in a hotel room doing coke with Dennis Wilson for two hours. Like maybe that's why he's jealous. <laughs> oh my gosh. Long story short, this is the end of it. Bonus episode over after this. I just do want to reflect on the fact that we kind of poo-pooed over the domestic violence with Stevie in the first two episodes, I feel like. And I don't think we gave it the reflection that we should have, that when she made the statement about leaving the band in 2018, it was Mm -hmm. in the midst of the Me Too movement. Okay. And I don't think it was petty. I think I said it was petty in the episode. I don't think that anymore. I think that after... 40 years of being under this person's control she was seeing that women could actually speak out and leave abusive relationships and yeah, I think she, she would be finally like did it. Mm-hmm. yeah in 2018 and I really do feel like he needs to have his sort of like me too moment and he hasn't yet huh now wait so with the question about the ex-girlfriend's memoir yes is that ex-girlfriend from, like, when did they date? I don't remember. Okay, so they started dating at the very end, right before rumors came out. So she actually, I actually got this wrong in the episode because I just Googled her name and it said that she was a model, but she okay. wasn't a model when they met. She became a model while they were dating because okay. of, like, the exposure that she had. Yeah. She worked at the um, recording studio where they were doing the final mixes on the rumors album. Okay. And then she dated him until I want to say like 84, 85. So that would have been like 70, end of 76, early 77. And then they dated to like 84 or 85. So it was a long time and it was a lot of tours and she went everywhere with him. Okay. And then he just needed a dog. Like he really just needed. Or he just needed to not have be in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause even golden retrievers don't deserve that. Well, no, but he probably also wouldn't have gotten jealous of a golden retriever and beaten it. 
Uh, but it would have been like waiting for him when he got home and yeah. like, made him feel, he really just wanted someone to make him feel like he was the most important person in the world. And yeah. he used her to do that. And it's really sad yeah. to see, but she tells some great stories if you can get past the terrible dialogue. Ooh. So after they break up, then he then gets married. Yes, but not for a long time. It's still even like, maybe like, he doesn't get married till 2000. So it's like okay. 15 years later. I think they have okay. a kid in 98. So oh, it's probably great. not even in that serious relationship for like 12 years. Okay. But yeah. I was just trying to plot it all out. Yeah. I mean, I hope he's not like that anymore, but I do think that, I do think he should get more shit for being abusive. Uh, We've seen really? like accounts of it in two printed <laughs> books yeah and yeah well, and, and he I knows think... that it's out there because a pretty positive when anyone writes anything you know about someone like they have to like they notify them right? yeah right and if it were untrue he could sue right yeah he could dispute it he could make yeah. them not use his name yeah yeah so right. well that was everything to catch up on like I said I did want to sort of apologize for saying that she made it like a it's him or me like no she was an abused woman for many many years and she had every right at that point with support of other women behind her to extract herself from that situation yeah yeah okay would you say that you are a Fleetwood Mac super fan I would say that I am now yes I would agree (laughs) Uh, or at least call you like a Fleetwood Mac historian I wish I don't think we're (laughs) That's, well, now I have something to aspire to. Yeah, you could put that on your resume. Well, that's it for this episode. Do you have something you want us to do a deep dive on? Send us an email with a topic to thebasicmomsmedia at gmail.com. And be sure to come hang out with us on Facebook and Instagram at the.basic.moms. If you want to dive deeper into any of the topics we present here on Tell Me More, join our Facebook group, Mom Chat by The Basic Moms. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast and subscribe so you know when each episode is released.